Nick, when I look at you light up a cigarette, I always see two flames. This girl is on fire. Welcome to Gay Talk 2.0, the ultimate podcast for your dose of dish. Am I recording? Is this bitch recording? Yes, we are. The button is red. We're good to go. The camera's going. Good evening, ladies and gents, and welcome to another episode of Gay Talk 2.0, an LGBT podcast. We're streaming live on Digital Stream Radio. No, we're not. No, we are not, but we'll fix that in a minute. Um, anyway, you can access that live stream. Let me go change that right now. Give me one second. Remember what I had said, like... Are we, are we all set? She said, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I actually said, should we promote her from intern status? Mm. And I think it's unanimous. Yeah, she's it's still unanimous. on probation. She's still on probation. We'll it, extend it another 30 it's days. Gonna turn on. It's going to turn on. Anyway, Jay, tell, tell me what's going on with your life. How was your weekend? <clears throat> it was... Um... It was a weekend. <laughs> it was a okay weekend. It wasn't too crazy. Yeah, she's going through it. You know? You know how that goes. Mm-hmm. She's busy back there trying to get us trying to get us on. But uh yeah, weekend was good. Spend it with the family. Mom is always, you know, same old, same old. Uh I'm trying to recall what we did during the week. There was something I wanted to talk about, and of course, since I didn't write it down, I forgot. But we're on anyway. Um, <laughs> now we're on. Yes, now we're on anyway. So we do record live and we stream it live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can access that live stream by visiting digitalstreamradio.com. On today's show, you're going to miss the intro. So sorry about that. Uh, but you can go uh, to the website now and access the live stream. But we're here and we're queer. My name is Tom. I'm your host. And as always, I'm in the studio with my bitches, starting with the first one. Hey, y'all. Nick or Trish. And over here. Jay Bear, your boyfriend's boyfriend. AKA, you AKA. forgot the AKA. So, um, if I ever get a boyfriend, I'm going to have to have a serious conversation with my boyfriend because mm-hmm. if you're my boyfriend's boyfriend, we have issues. We're going to have more issues than Reader's Digest. All righty then. Many volumes. I'm <laughs> Many just volumes. saying. I'm just saying. Um, but we're back. Um, so, anyway, as we were talking recently, um, as y'all were talking while I was doing something back here, how are you guys? <laughs> Nick, how are you? I'm good. She's good. Yeah. So you you lit up a cigarette and you, you two flames. No, so <laughs> like I'm off to the flame, burnt by the fire. So that came. So today, one of my coworkers um, came up to me and was like, "Nick, when I see you light up a cigarette, I see two flames," and I just died. I thought it was so funny. It was. But he, I mean, what he goes? I, I mean, he, he legit, was like, like, he's like, that's from like. The 80s and 90s, sorry. I'm like, it's still prevalent. It still works. I, I mean, you are a flame. I'm mean, you're a flamer. I mean, mm-hmm. you're as... Like, I'm you're not a flamer. No, well, I would say you're I flame, definitely glow. Well, your flame is definitely high. Like, it, like you know, you're flaming. Yeah. yeah. Like a Cheeto. You're glowing. <laughs> yeah. Like a Cheeto. Yeah. Like a Cheeto? But that was hilarious, a though. flaming like, hot Cheetos. I got you. I got you, but... No, nah. I've never had a flaming hot Cheeto. Oh, they're good. Oh, honey, yes, you have had a flaming, flaming hot, hot Cheeto. Cheeto. <laughs> have I? 
I mean, probably, maybe. I don't know. Like, not. You like your gingers. <laughs> wow. That is true. That is okay. true. Okay. Yeah, looking I mean, back. No. Looking back. Looking back at all the things that I've done in my life and all the crazy people that I've met. You've had a few. Yeah, I've had a flaming hot couple of Cheetos here and there. <laughs> Jaybird, how are yes. you, baby? Not bad. Not bad. As always, you know, just staying busy. I'm still trying to get over my honey-do list from my vacation week two weeks ago. So Right. So the vacation that never happened. So yeah. initially we had talked about this like two yeah. or three weeks ago that you had planned to go away to Puerto Rico yep. um, because, you know, you, you had a week off and and then um, Fiona. Yeah. Damn fucking I, Fiona. Fiona, Fiona, Iona. I don't know. It, I think it was Fiona. So, so Some bitch Hurricane Fiona. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because had had you gone anyway, there would have been nothing that you can do. The place that yeah. you were planning to stay at had no power. No power, no running water, no lights. Right. So. And it's, although I will tell you this, in my experience, when I lived in Puerto Rico. We and, survived. I know and we, we had storms. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, what an amazing experience it is yeah. to just go to the river and wash your ass. Yeah. And yeah. probably get it plowed on a rock or two. Yeah, here maybe there. one or two, but you know. Yeah. It, it's been a while for me. I mean, I... Camping, I, I can go a day or two without showers, but then after day three, yeah, yeah, you start getting a little rancid, yeah, a little like, rancid, and I was just like, you start nah. getting ripe, and you're like, yeah, no. imagine the flight back home. Oh, <laughs> that would have <laughs> been deadly. <laughs> I'd be in a in a uh, airport bathrooms and in, in the sinks mm. washing up before I jump. I will tell you, I mean, I've lived in like boonies in nowhere land in Puerto Rico. Like my mother, my uncle had a house up in the, in the mountains of this little town called Calle. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, there was nothing really to do other than to pick freaking peas and, and, herbs and this and that and, and cook outside, you know, with wood and and el caldero, you know, the the well-known seasoned caldero that makes uh, amazing yeah. rice. Yes. And, and, you know, whenever you wanted to cool off, you would go and, and jump in the river. And that's what we did. So I imagine that, you know, because Puerto Rico is in a tropical island. Whenever you have these situations where you don't have running water or you don't have power, you're pretty much good during the day. Yeah. Right. And as long as when darkness falls, that's when, you know, that's when it gets a little, uh, challenging right challenging. right because you know so i mean i, I don't know about you I, people in the l.a still have their old you know hurricane lamps that they still use right. you know and mm -hmm. so you make do with what you have and some people have generators which kind of helps out but right. and you, you gotta know, worry but, about the creatures that yeah come that's out no i know the no. creatures <laughs> so you have little lizards you lost, little you lost trish yeah. yeah you're taking me down a bad road <laughs> and, you're like let's go to puerto rico yeah. i'm like yeah. And, the and the roaches. So the roaches are literally well, I do the work at partners, so. Well, no. <laughs> no, those are nothing. I mean, these are roaches on steroids. So they're like the size of your camera here. They're yeah, massive and they fly. Yeah. So if you're walking down the street at night, sometimes they'll just so. hit you upside the head. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's like any boyfriend I ever had. Yeah, they fucking fly, <laughs> they fly. away. <laughs> um, it's freaking hysterical. Um, but yeah, there there's there's certain things that just happen on the island that you just don't really see anywhere else. And of course, there's El Coqui. 
Yes. Right? And so el coqui, if you're not familiar with it, is Coquito? el coqui uh. is our native frog. It's a frog that is indigenous to the island of Puerto Rico, and it only can live on the island of Puerto Rico. So when you're there at night from dusk till dawn, all you hear is all night, all night long. It's actually kind of pretty. It actually is. So here's the thing. There's only one other island that the coqui was brought to inadvertently, and it survived. And that was Hawaii. Yes. And uh, apparently there were some cargo islands. ships right, brought the, the frog over, and it actually managed to survive, and it's thriving, and they hate it, and they want to eradicate them. But you know, that, that, that was like mid colonization like that's how far back it's crazy though yeah. like to think that you know <clears throat> and it's yeah that they've never survived anywhere else but that island in, in so Hawaii. what is it called when a species evasive. is unique evasive. when it's unique to, uh, uh, oh, to a specific, specific indigenous in, i wouldn't indigenous. say indi- yeah. there's a there's a word for it and i can't really remember it's indigenous species it's like indigenous people that's where they're from yeah I don't know. I don't know. I think there's a, there's a word for it, and I can't think of it right now. But that is the word. It'll come to me. That is 100 percent the word. Okay. Well, we'll we'll look it up and figure <laughs> yeah, it out. So, so what happens is the coqui doesn't have any natural predators, at least and not on the island. In the island, so therefore that's why they they strive so well. So, <clears throat> um, they say that a lot of them, a lot of the coquis were brought to Hawaii uh, in the 1980s. They're claiming. I thought it was further back. Uh, when they imported nursery plants from Puerto Rico to Hawaii. Right. And the frogs, they're, I mean, they're really. Uh, uh, they're cute, actually. They're, they're like tiny the and size pink. Of, and- yeah, they're like the size of the of my pinky, like fully grown, tiny. You know what I mean? Like adults. Can they kill small. you? No. No. No, um, they're, they're completely harmless. They're, they're, they're nocturnal. Just- so you don't, you rarely see them during the day. Right. And from time to time, you find them in the house. Right. The tiny little frogs. But it's, you know you're home yeah. when you hear that. Cookie. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Wow. So that's that's when you know you've arrived at the motherland. Yes. Because yeah, when I arrive at you. the motherland for me in Florida with my parents, it's generally yelling. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, so. So, but anyway, um, so that's Puerto Rico for you in a nutshell. There you go. Hello. Did I do a good job? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's more enchanting. It's I would beautiful. say, yeah, it's beautiful. That's why Puerto Rico is called um, La Rico? Isla del Encanto, which is enchanted island. Yes. Lovely island. Enchanted so, island. and you have island tattoos, don't you? Disease. Have like um, indigenous like frog tattoos yes. on your body? Yeah, I, you yeah. I'm not asking Diana you to undress or anything, called, but no, you know, yeah, I can't show this one. Yeah, you know me. I have no one. No, yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yes. And speaking of only coming out in the dark i wanted to talk about the impending like night like the dark that we're about to descend into it's already happening <laughs> with the early uh, four o'clock sunset yeah so um <laughs> so we're moving into we're moving away from daylight savings time right so on november i th- believe if i'm not mistaken it is the first weekend in november we're gonna fall back an hour and that means that um that this gradual loss of time that we've been experiencing or lost of light, excuse me, um, is going to get even more depressing. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to talk about that because obviously it's Halloween's around the corner. 
we know that um, typically things start getting a little darker. People start getting depressed. People start getting moody. Um, how do what do you go through when you go through that hour change when you lose that hour? Right, because we fall back. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, it, it takes me a couple of weeks to like adjust, re- reacclimate. But I've already started feeling the the change of the um, yes. seasons. Mm-hmm. When for some reason, when the seasons change, I have a hard time <clears throat> sleeping. Yes, I don't right. know what that is. Um, but evidently. Like you just said, it's something that a lot of people feel. It's a, it's, it's an actual. But, I call but it I also, funk. I well, think they, they I also want to go to bed yeah. earlier. Yes. Right. So, so they say there's a lot of people. My wife, so it's, it's called seasonal depression. Right. Right. So days are shorter. There's less sunlight. Right. She actually a couple of years ago purchased a um a lamp. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. wanted to talk the about sun that. lamp. Right. <laughs> yeah. So every so often I come home and the damn lamp is on now that the days are getting shorter. She's like, I need it. I, right. I really need it. Mm-hmm. I don't like, blame her. I, th- yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I, her moods change. Her whole way of doing things change. She wants to sleep more and right. it, it's, it's tough. So, I mean, I've, I've been living with it for a lot of years, so I know I'm very familiar with it. No, I, I mean, when you really think about it, you, you start your, we all have this, what we call this natural clock inside of us, right? Mm-hmm. And our, our cadence sort of kind of, it's called the cadence clock, I think it's what it's called. Internal clock. Yeah, well, maybe that, okay. But in a <laughs> Indigenous, sense. Indigenous, internal, internal, intern. Uh, <laughs> So what ends up happening is that the moment you start seeing the changes in time, right? Um, When we hit June 21st, which is the summer solstice, you start losing seconds of light every day. And then you jumpstart to like August and then it's no longer just seconds. It's minutes. Mm -hmm. Like you're literally doing a minute and a half. Two weeks later, it's two minutes, then three. Before you know it, sunset, it's like at freaking 5.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then we fall back. And by four o'clock, it's like super dark. You're yep. like, I feel like I've worked an entire 18-hour day, and I'm ready to just go back into my cave and just not crawl out until the next day. Yeah, and then it gets cold, and you just want to bundle up, and uh-huh. then it, 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 that's it. It's depressing. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about light. So one thing I started doing, I think it was last year, Mm -hmm. I bought my grow lights, right? Mm -hmm. And I started moving in some of the plants that I invested in for the property that die out every year. And I started- Not the trees you took out. No. No. (laughs) Um, And propagating them. So all of my, for example, my citronella plants or what they call scented geranium, I propagate them and keep them in the house all, all winter. And then in the spring, I'll go and put them out because that saves me like 40 bucks a plant. Yes. Thank you, by the way. You're welcome. For what? For giving me a propagated plant. Oh, I did. I did. I did propagate mm-hmm. a plant for you so that you can have a nice little pretty. Um, I even created a penis for it so that it could. You know what's so, <laughs> funny? What's so funny about that is. So this past weekend, I took my sister to see Wicked. She had mm-hmm. never been to Broadway, um, and she works in the medical field, but in her office, there's no natural sunlight. Right. But she is very much a plant person, and after COVID, I have turned into a plant person. Like I like having them around, but my office has no like natural light either. And we were talking about it, and she showed up before we got on the train, and she gave me a plant. 
Oh. And <clears throat> the plant, I think the name is different now. It's called a wand. What I know it as is called a wandering Jew. Right. But it, we call it the wandering um, man or person now because it's, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's more PC. Right. Yes. Well, it's it's not as derogatory as the original name is. Well, well anyway, so she contest. showed up on Friday with that. Mm-hmm. And then you texted me on Saturday. And I had been waiting for this one plant that you had told me about. Mm-hmm. It's this beautiful plant that's it's a vine and it it's gorgeous. And I've always admired <clears throat> the one that you well, you have a couple now, right? I have one. Um, which I took babies from and I propagated and rooted and now planted for you. Right. But so this weekend I actually ended up getting two brand new propagated plants, one for my office and one for my house. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very, it was interesting, which is great. I mean, like when we're talking about the season change, having that greenery around Mm -hmm. you and the color around you, it's wonderful. And that's why I love plants. Right. So what I was trying to say was that, so last year I started propagating. So I was, I'm not going to spend $150 on scented geranium every year so if i can propagate the plant that i've already bought and replant them so i'm gonna do that so i bought all of these grow lights and there is a sense of when i come down here right next to the studio i have like this little kitchenette area where i have all my racks and everything and all my lights i feel a sense of oh my god like this light is like really good i understand (laughs) where your wife is coming from it really helps yeah the 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 lighting itself feels very much like the sunlight. Yes. So yes. you get, you kind of get that. Yeah. I, I, I get it. I get it. So, so there's a sense of, <laughs> of, of goodness when I walk yes. into this room and it's full of plants and all my lights are on. Mm. Uh, thank God I got solar because I mean, you know, having grow lights in your house can get fairly yeah. expensive and quickly. But, um, but you mentioned something about making you two, feel good. Two things before we go forward. It's circuit. Oh, circadian clock that's uh-huh. the word you were looking for and the new word and the new name for the plant is uh, or no new it's also known as the inch plant the inch the plant inch plant. Inch, right. plant inch inch yeah. at a time baby yeah <laughs> it does so. grow so interesting so um so anyway what i was trying to get at is that having the lights and having you know this this way of coping with this darkness um, it's helpful. And if you can at least get one grow light in your house mm-hmm. and put it somewhere where it's prevalent, where you can see it every day and you can have it on a timer or whatever, you know, at sunset, it'll turn on at sun, you know, at sunrise, it will turn off. I think it will be very helpful for, for your spirit and for your, um, how you feel every day mm-hmm. um, well-being, yeah. at home. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's good overall. <clears throat> so really quickly though, I do want to go back to my Plants. trip to New York. Oh, trip to New York. Please. So <clears throat> I took my sister to New York uh, for her birthday. Mm-hmm. Even though her birthday was in August, we had planned this trip and she had never seen wicked. And which she, is an amazing play, by the way. Yeah. And I, I think this is like my fourth time seeing it. I still love it. But I, I just want to throw something in there. So do you remember oh, yes, our I remember. first step or so? Uh-huh. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, was it Wicked in Conversation? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. But <laughs> so um, we get to the city and she's like, you act like you live here. You, I'm like, just follow me. Shut up. Just whatever. Because I know where I'm going. Right. And she is just like surprising to me because she's like a tough chick. Like right. she has dreads. Like she's she's like a tough chick. She like was having a hard time being in New York. Like 
But anyway. Culture shock. Maybe right. that's what it's, it was. It's but very like, common, yes. But the thing is, she's been to New York before. Right. Anyway, so I, what I didn't realize is... Midtown can be very intimidating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot going yeah. on. She, well, she had never been to Times Square, and I was like, right. well, yeah. we are running through Times Square. We're not staying. You could take, like, one picture. <laughs> um, but I never realized she hadn't gone to any Broadway show ever. Wow. And so we get there, and... I have access to a network. It's called whatever. It doesn't matter. But like you get house seats, which are best available at um, the lowest price. Um, not cheap, but you know, they're, they're, but they're, they're good. They're, they're stable. Right. Yeah. And so we were in the orchestra center row K, which is like crazy, insane, amazing. Right. And so we sit down and she's like, why aren't we in the balcony? Like, these are terrible. I was like, oh, just just wait. Just wait. And so we're watching the show. Um, we get to this the intermission, and Alphaba is flying up on the broom, singing Defying Gravity. And then the lights come up. And I look over at my sister, and she's just bawling. She's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Is it over? Is that it? I was like, no. There's a whole other half. She's like, there's another half? Like, I can't handle this. I was like, wow. And that's what I said, Jamie, have you ever been to a Broadway show? And she was like, no, I've never been to a Broadway show. This is amazing. <laughs> I feel then, like now I understand why, you know, the breakdown, the, the, the bus at breakdown is a thing. Oh, well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Because this bitch will be watching a movie, she'll just break down into like, like ugly crying. Honestly, I understand it now. Okay. Well, I will have to say, the first time you see that one scene in Wicked, if it doesn't evoke some type of emotion in you, whether you're a crier or not, you're evil bitch. You need to go see someone. Right. (laughs) Like it's just the lighting, the music, and just everything that led up to the moment. It, it, it's just such a powerful image. Right. Are they, are they still doing it at the Gersh, Gershwin Theater? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Did I say that right? Uh-huh. I remember that from our very first episode of Gay Talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Gershwin. And at the time, they were running for 20 years, right? They had already hit the 20-year mark. Mm-hmm. We've been on the air for six years, so that now they're 26 going on their 27th season in. Yeah, with COVID break in between. Right. So, I mean... That's well, interesting. Did you so Phantom of the Opera, the longest running show on Broadway, is closing? Mm-hmm. Yum! I heard that. Finally, yeah, that's insane. insane. They made when they when they made that announcement, <clears throat> they made like upwards of like six or eight million dollars in one day. That's insane. Tickets and to yeah. think that before Phantom Cats had the title of the longest running show on Broadway. Because it had run at the Winter Garden Theater for decades. Yeah. And then they shut down and and they made a movie about it, which we want to forget mm-hmm. because it was tragic. Yeah. Well, they're making a wicked movie. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, the cat suit was tragic. It. Never watched I, it. Have so. you ever seen Jennifer Hudson in a cat suit with some cat makeup? It was horrible. How about Rebel Wilson? Rebel Wilson at the BAFTAs, <laughs> which is like the uh, Tonys for England. Yeah. Right. She was just, she was in the movie and she was like just tearing it apart. Like every joke was like, 
something about cats and like how the director wasn't nominated and this person wasn't nominated and everybody was just dying. You got to love her though. You got to love her. But um, wow. So yeah, well, I'm glad your sister had that very uh, emotional response and that she enjoyed her first experience. And if, and that her first experience was was wicked Mm -hmm. because if you're going to see a show, that is definitely one of the first ones you want to see. Yeah. So we're going to, we're talking about, so she wants to take her son to Lion King. Um, and I was like, yeah, no, I can totally help you out with tickets. And she was like, no, no, like, I can't do this. Like, navigate New York and come here. You get your So that means you have to come <laughs> yes, down. I'm going to go with them. Yeah. Well, word to the wise, if you're ever in the city, if you've never been to New York City, New York City's a grid. And if you can remember this, you'll never get <laughs> lost in New York. You fuck vertically and you suck horizontal. Yep. I mean, that's not what was going through my head. I knew where I was going. But that's how I remember it, right? Avenues run north-south. Everything's divided by Fifth Avenue. You've got the west side, east side, you know, uptown, downtown, midtown. And it's a grid. So if you miss a street, go up two, go around and come back down. So um, same thing with the avenues. Some are two ways. Some are one ways. Um, You know, the famous Fifth Avenue. But nonetheless, if you remember that, you'll never get lost in New York. Mm Mm-hmm. The subway system is a completely different story. Yeah, don't. Yeah. yeah. Like trying to get from Grand Central to Penn Station. Um, it, there's a it, shuttle. There's a shuttle, but it's still a hot freaking mess. Mm-hmm. Do you know how fast you have to run to catch that shuttle that goes out like what every 20 minutes? <laughs> every 20 minutes. And if you miss it, you're like, oh, fuck, I got to wait 20 minutes now in this goddamn fucking heat. Because it is hot as fuck in the subways in the summer oh yeah oh it's yeah. like a fucking oven yeah. it's bad yeah you don't want to be back there like down there more than like 20 minutes it's not bad and i sweat for anything i'm like literally a puddle of water on the floor <laughs> yeah. so and you know when people oh, you haven't had a shower in like three days because they're coming <laughs> home from camping on the train, on the train. that shit oh. stinks <laughs> it's nasty it's rancid so um I know that we should probably go to break soon, but I did want to mention one more thing that happened this weekend. Go for it. So I saw, I finally saw a movie that I've been wanting to see. um, Firebird. Firebird. I've heard. Explain. Okay. So Firebird is about a forbidden gay romance in the Cold War, but it takes place in the Soviet Union. Huh. And so there did we is, talk about this in, in like the, the list of LGBTQ stuff that was so. coming out? Yeah, but I finally watched it. I want to see it. It's so <clears throat> it is a tr- it's based on a true story. Uh-huh. Um, and the characters are Starvinsky. Beautiful. Yeah, the characters are beautiful. Like, oh, these, of course, these guys look like GQ models. Like yeah. they're pretty as shit. They're gorgeous. I can totally get into that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's very. It takes you on a real, true-to-history ride. Sergey and Roman? When you say a true history ride, do you say... Do you mean like it's very depictive of of the war that was going on and, and, and how things were? Well, no, not really, but what it... What it Without spoiling it, tell it de- us a little bit. Yeah, so what it depicted for me was um, how... Um, shame, shameful, and wrong it was to uh, have homosexual feelings, um, and then also navigating that when there is a connection with someone. When you make this connection, clearly there's something there, right? And then 
the steps moving forward and building some semblance of a relationship while trying to keep yourself safe. And also hidden. Hidden and safe because in, well, for a long time in many armies, um, and still, I think, in the Soviet army yes. uh, or Russian oh, army, I mean, it's, it's illegal, right? right. Um, and so having to hide that and, you know, one of the characters going so far as to um, marry uh, and then find ways to then escape that marriage um, to continue this relationship with this other individual. And the other individual um, never really embraced that side where needed to hide or needed right. to um, hide in the sense of building a, a heterosexual family actually went into um, the arts, which was a passion of his. Um, but they're very, they're, I mean, just their life experiences are very different, but the love is so visceral and real. Um, and watching it was heart wrenching and so informative because I've never, I've ne- I mean, yes, I was scared, but I've never had to hide a part of myself or hide all of yourself. My true love. Right. And, um, it, it really kind of depicts that, that, that era in time when, you know, these, everything was on the ground, found this forbidden gay romance. Yeah. And so, so it's almost, uh, it's almost as uncomfortable to see their experience <clears throat> with love and how they hide it as it was to watch Heath Ledger in Brokeback Mountain. I wouldn't say uncomfortable. What I would say was um, eye-opening. You know, we know know historically the repression the community has felt, but to see it depicted so vividly, and we've seen it in other movies, but to see it depicted so so vividly and, and... to see the pain on both of the characters, um, the pain that the characters kind of like endured during the time and then continued to endure because they didn't want to leave someone. Right. You know, it's, it was, there was a, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there was one really powerful moment where, um, the officer who fell in love with the private, I guess, um, had to go away for a couple of months to do work in Bro- Moscow somewhere um, and ended up getting an apartment and moving in with this guy. Um, and then the the um, captain's wife was like, you know, you. she decided to surprise them for the holidays. Hmm. And watching the private or that that character sit there and want to spend new years and 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 christmas with his partner and that was where he lived that was his home right and, and he then can't ha- be himself he can't be himself home. he was put in the guest room like it was just like oh i but and that but but then, you would have lost that in this day She's and about age, to lose it now. In this, in, in this day and age, you're right. I would. Uh-huh. But in yeah. that day and age, I wouldn't have been able to. Right. I wouldn't yeah. have been able to bend, bend this right. open. In Russia, still, probably not. Right. 
There have been a lot of movies in in my um you know four plus decades on this earth that have given me a very visceral emotional response. Um, and it sounds like when I watch this, I'm going to be able to to relate in some sense because that's how I used to have to date people. Yeah, when I was very young. Um, but there, there's it's my friend. For, my boy. I don't know if you guys ever seen this, but there was a movie that ha- Harvey Firestein was in. It was called Torch Song Trilogy. Mm. It came out in the what 80s. Watch it. Just one day, if you can, watch it. You know, another really good movie that really puts things in, into perspective about our lifestyle and, and how we love and how we have to hide ourselves or had to at that point. Um, when you think about, you know, Sorted Lives or when you think about It's My Party. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I think another like element of it too was the, the process of them meeting to actually connecting intimately or, or emotionally the fear on both sides was like, well, if I'm wrong here, I will go to prison. Yeah. Right. So I know the the quick synopsis on 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 it that on the movie that I just looked it up it says based on a true story during the Cold War, Firebird follows a handsome, soulful young soldier who embarks on a uh, on a clandestine sexual affair with a charismatic fighter pilot on an Air Force base at the height of the nineteen seventies communist rule. Like who so, doesn't love a hot <laughs> fire pilot? Yeah. Like you know fighter pilot. So. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, so it's called Firebird. Mm-hmm. Firebird. Yeah. So um, it's definitely worth it. I, you know, it, it's definitely worth watching the movie. Okay. It has well, quite a few. It's not uh, my rom com that I sit and cry and enjoy. <laughs> but, she cries on everything. I mean, yeah. don't don't let her fool you. She does. She does. So uh, from rom coms to dramas and all that good stuff and and the darkness and the doom. That is coming our way. Um, you know, <laughs> watch Hocus Pocus 2. It was fabulous. I loved it. Uh, but we are going to take a break. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we have our dish. So um, we'll be right back. All right. We are back from our break. Thank you so much for allowing us to take a little respite and uh, go get our cock tails refreshed and do all that good stuff so um we're back and we're going to jump into our dish we've got uh three stories that we're going to cover uh for all of you and talk about today so i'm going to toss it over to trish first because i think your story is a really good way to open up the first the the second half so tell us a little bit about what we're about to uh encounter miss dang well i think we have a recording right do you want me to? Yes. Do you Do you want to ease us into the story? What What we're about to, or should I just play the clip? Sure. Um, I hope I don't say her name wrong. Karen. Karen Jean Pierre. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So our White House press secretary <laughs> comes up, opens up about coming out, and she does this um, on coming out day um, during the White House press conference, which. Is historic. I don't it's think huge. this has never happened before. Right. So um, it's worth noting that she is the first openly LGBTQ plus person to ever hold the coveted job of White House press secretary. Mm-hmm. 
And this was after Jen Psaki stepped down, um, which happened probably around a year ago. So, Well, it just makes you think about the fact that we have a, an administration in office right now that um, not only supports us, but highlighting something like her story and the struggle she went through and, um, you know, just trying to emote hope for future generations are people who are in a place where they are thinking of, or in the process of coming out. It's so powerful to see your, um, government stand by your side and say, you know, I've been there too. Right. And this is something that, you know, unfortunately with the previous administration that we had, we would have never seen. Oh God. I mean, Sarah can't fuckably stand her would have never gone up there and, (laughs) you know, done none of this or even remotely acknowledge. I mean, on day one of the previous administration, they wiped out the website that had any mention of, for example, HIV and uh, AIDS um, care or, or resources. Yeah. They took down the LGBTQ plus everything was gone so um to see you're right you know to see to see our government see a an administration bring to the forefront such a powerful individual because i don't know if you know or remember who uh kareem jean pierre is but there was one time during the 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 elections prior to the election happening where Kamala Harris was running for president herself mm-hmm. right she was a contender uh, along with Pete Buttigieg and a plethora of other people including Michael Bloomberg from New York and and of course Biden and she was interviewing Kamala Harris and someone stepped on stage and went towards Kamala Harris to say something. I mean, this person clearly was upset about something. Mm-hmm. And Kareem just literally got up and put her body between Kamala and this individual. Until, obviously, then her uh, Kamala's husband jumped on stage and along with other people and literally dragged this person off stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have been very tragic. This could have been a tragic thing. And she didn't think, she didn't flinch. She just literally got up and put her body between Kamala and this person. Yeah. I mean, that's the caliber of person that you have. And to see her be openly gay or an openly lesbian person. Which is a whole nother element. On top of the fact that she is just such an amazing human being and courageous is is telling. I mean, we look at the current administration and we we love Chastin. We love Pete. Um, They're amazing. But both in media and in politics, there isn't as much representation um, within the lesbian community. Right. And to to have a moment where it's not Pete, but it's another individual who is a part of the LGBTQ plus community. Person a, of color. Person of color, a lesbian. A woman. A, a woman. A powerful woman. Mm-hmm come out and share this story one it takes guts for her like right it really does props to you like telling your story is huge but the inspiration that she probably provided for so many girls across the country girls and anybody in the community but really i have to say it like women uh we don't see it enough right and to think that we're currently in in a an environment where, for example, women's rights 
are yeah are being you know pulled back in 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 an unprecedented way and to see her be so courageous and just stand up there and and say her piece about who she is as a human and who she is as a lesbian was just incredibly powerful mm-hmm. so um that being said let's hear her own words yeah so today is national coming out day And so I wanted to start by sharing my own coming out story. Like so many in the LGBTQ community, coming out wasn't an easy thing to do. My family was traditional and conservative. Being gay in my family wasn't something that you mentioned out loud or celebrated. But my family, like many, many other families, grew to accept who I was. They saw that who I loved didn't change who I was as a person. It didn't change the things I like to do, and it didn't change the goals I had for my life. The beauty of America is its freedoms and the promise that you can achieve your dreams, no matter your race, sex, country of origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity. This is something we continue to strive toward and fight for, particularly as we continue to see a wave of anti-LGBTQ legislation across the country. And it's why I'm so honored to serve the president and the first lady, who have stood with the LGBTQ community for many years and will continue to stand with all those who come out and we are thinking about those who are coming out or those who are thinking about coming out, and we are here for you, and we will uh, continue to support you. Thank you. I mean, it was very concise, very simple, and powerful Mm -hmm. in the sense. And she mentioned in her speech that, you know, we currently have a lot of um, local governments really attacking the rights of LGBTQ plus members all over the country. There's legislation being passed left and right um, that really is troubling when you think about how far we've come versus all the you know adversity that we're still facing even today, even after marriage equality, which pretty much leads us into our next story, right? I want to talk about a story that was published on The Advocate. I do want to just, I know, I'm sorry, Uh but I think one of the things that she said was so important, and I think that um, as a country, we need to continue to highlight and lean into this this comment, uh, the beauty of America, that you can achieve your dreams no matter your race, sex, country of origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity. I think that that is a value that I would hope most Americans are will stand by. Right. But we also have to understand that that statement is under attack. And, 100%. And it it is... It is the beauty of America that you can be who you are and live your dreams and not like, you know, necessarily fear, you know, coming out and, and, and embracing your sexual orientation or gender identity. But but it's under attack. And so we have to continue to go out and voice our opinions and vote. Right. Absolutely. Which leads us into our very next story, which is basically um, talking about the importance and what's on the, the, the chopping block uh, for this upcoming, uh, you know, 
primaries that are happening uh, along with the midterm elections and the upcoming legislative um, makeup, right? We don't know what's going to happen during the midterms. So GLAAD, um, obviously, which is the Gay Lesbian um, Alliance, um, has put out an article on The Advocate, which talks about what is at stake in this coming midterm election. And basically what they're saying is that there is a lot, you know, for LGBTQ plus Americans in the United States of America, there is a lot at stake. There is a lot that we stand to lose. <laughs> okay. What? My phone agrees. Okay. Phone agrees. Um, that, that, you know, we really need to, to keep in mind, you know, it wasn't too long ago during the last session that we, Women lost the right to choose to have a choice over their 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 nationally nationally over their their sexual health and their health period right um, and so you're seeing now that with the overturn of Roe v Wade, women you know in certain states don't have the right to to make a decision on their own bodies on their own sex on their own sexual health and you know, it's important to 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 point out that when that decision was made, one of the first things that one of the justices said um, while rendering that opinion was that they also believed, um, for example, that marriage equality should also be overturned because it was decided on the same premise that, you know, Roe v. Wade was that stood for 50 years. And so. I remember a long time ago, we had a, a very in-depth conversation and Chris was sitting here and he talked about a friend of his who said that, you know, the the decision to to legalize same-sex marriage was so, um, so controversial and so um, indicative of, of, of a huge change in ideology and how we move forward as a country that it set a precedence that could never be, for example, overturned. It was one of those things, one of those decisions that no justice would ever go and say, we're going to overturn this, right? Um, but as we've seen with Roe v. Wade, 50 years, it stood and it got struck down. And when we think about marriage equality, you know, in this article, it's saying basically that, um, you know, when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, we both looked at each other and said, you know, that this is basically the person writing the article like, wow, I think our family could be at risk. You know, when we fought for marriage equality, we never thought that we would be at risk of having it taken away. Walking down the aisle was a very proud moment for for something, you know, for a lot of people. And when you think about the fact that now we took a 50 year precedence and overturned it, right? Given the makeup of the current court, and marriage equality could be next. It, it's it's dangerous, and so what is left to ask of our listeners and for those who are planning to get themselves involved in the upcoming midterms is: what do you value? What is important to you, right? How can we protect our rights that we've we currently have? And also support the women who've just lost their right to to self care, to make decisions for their own bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how do we protect marriage equality? How do we protect all of these initiatives that um, have been successful in the last you know six years? 
Ooh, pick me. Pick me. <laughs> Go for it. What needs to happen and what mm-hmm. should have happened with Roe vs. Wade is the Senate and the House mm-hmm. should have taken the decision by the Supreme Court, wrote a bill, mm-hmm. and passed a federal law that then cannot right. be questioned while by, you the, have, by the Supreme Court. While you have active senators like Lady Dame Lindsey Graham, who is literally putting forth a bill to actually outlaw the the supreme court is to their job is to interpret the law right right so if if they pass a decision like roe versus wade like marriage equality then it is the uh responsibility of our representatives to then make sure that that law or their interpretation of whatever you know decision was made for an argument between you know, Roe versus Wade or whatnot to then write a law that makes, makes it binding. Yeah. It makes it binding. It didn't happen. It didn't happen with marriage equality and it needs to happen with marriage equality. And there have been bills. There have been bills put forth. Right. That need to be voted on and need to get to Biden's desk for signature. Right. But the Uh, reality, the kind of bills that they are, are well, not your typical bills that require a what they call a simple majority, right? But what we're really learning is that, you know, when the Supreme Court makes decision that does not make it the law of the land. No. In a sense, it does. It if does. Congress refuses to act. It, it makes it the law of the land until then they go back on themselves. Right. And reinterpret <sighs> whatever case they were looking at which is a dangerous thing to do right i mean because you're literally saying that you know you're contradicting yourself right i I mean you you're also invalidating decisions made by previous justices Mm -hmm. that were a part of and and mind you i i want to remind people that when roe v wade was decided the court was extremely extremely and when i mean extremely it was extremely conservative you know you had again that was all but Two, all but two, I think it was Justice Ginsburg and Sandra Day O'Connor at the time, were the only two women on that court when that case was decided 50 plus years ago. Actually, no, I don't think even Ruth Bader Ginsburg was on there. But I think that's what we're, I think what we're getting at is the same thing. It's like they didn't, the, the Supreme Court didn't make a decision based on abortion law. They didn't. They made a decision based on a court case right. that had a woman's do, right to privacy. A woman's right to privacy. So that is at which point, right? The Congress and the Senate, right, need to take action and say, okay, this decision was made. They interpret it as this. Now we're going to codify it as law. Right. Which needs to happen, but the problem is we don't have the votes. Right. This kind of legislation requires a supermajority in both the House and Senate. I'm gonna be in the fucking Senate. Be like, raise your hand. Right. Raise your hand. I'm gonna cut you. I'm gonna cut you. So the problem is, is that right? But but here's the other the other flip side of that. So there's a lot of concern that this is something that could happen in this legislative, um, you know, session, right? And you also have to keep in mind that regardless of what happens in the midterms. So whether 
the Republicans gain control of the Senate and or the House, we still have a Democratic president that can veto bills that are brought forward to, let's say, ban abortion outright in all 50 states or reverse decisions on marriage equality if they try to protect it in some way, shape or form with um, legislation. The problem is that the key is how many senators or how much control they have in the Senate or the House. Is it a supermajority? Do we have 60 plus, 68 plus senators that are now Republican and have total control and can override a veto from a president? Because, you know, a, a president can veto a bill and it can go back to Congress and they can override the president's veto if they have a supermajority, which requires three fourths majority of the House and three fourths majority of the Senate to override a president's veto. And so that is the key. We don't know what the makeup of our legislative body is going to be come November 8th. I believe it's when we're voting. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and, and that is the interesting thing. And so for all of you out there who are weighing your options as to whether or not you want to vote, understand this. Your rights are on the line. If you're a member of our community, regardless of what state you live in, your rights are on the line at any point in time. Someone can throw a lawsuit on there, have it right all the way up to the Supreme Court and have marriage equality overturned on the same grounds they overturned Roe v. Wade. And if you want that to be codified into law, we need to have bodies and people in place at these two, you know, the upper chamber and the lower chamber of Congress to pass this legislation with a majority that cements the fact that these are indeed going to be codified into law. And that's the problem that we're having. Mm-hmm. You know, we only have a 50-50 majority in, in the Senate. Um, and, you know, we don't know how that's going to play out. So it really relies on the people. Mm-hmm. I also, I was watching some interview the other day and I can't remember what it was. Um, it was one of those, I'm scrolling in bed, you know, whatever. Gotcha. Um, and so you went down a rabbit hole on oh, 100%. On one of those. Yeah. yeah. And somebody, what from, do you call those? Uh, when you go down a rabbit hole on, 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 oh, what do they, what do they call those? Ah, I hate them. Anyway, so somebody, yeah. <laughs> so, somebody said, they call them anyways, you know, well, my vote doesn't really matter. I'm from New York. Yes, it does. Okay. So here's my thing. If you're in a red state, if you're in a blue state, I consider Connecticut a purple state. Your vote matters more than ever. If you are in a red state and you think, oh, well, it doesn't matter. We're going to go Republican either way or, you know, whatnot. That's not necessarily the case. Get out and vote. Make your voice count. If you're in a blue state and you're like, oh, well, it's going to go blue. Don't just expect it to go blue. Like you have... You have your one vote does fucking matter. Right. I mean, it's no one ever predicted. We never thought in a thousand years that Tweedledee and Tweedledum, because he's both, was ever going to be president. We thought Hillary had it in the bag. Right. We were celebrating that. You remember that, right? I'm still like traumatized. By that. Right. That episode was epic and tragic all at the same time. <laughs> um, nobody thought that was going to happen. And then it did. And so you can't really. So one thing you also need to keep in mind 
is that while the president is elected by the electoral college, the amount of electoral votes that each state allocates to the winner of of their state, there is legislation in a lot of states that are looking to change the makeup of how those electoral votes are casted and awarded to potential winners or potential losers of states. You know, there's legislation in the state of, for example, in Georgia, there's uh, legislation in states like, you know, um, New Mexico and all of these like swing states that are trying to pass laws that make it legal for the legislative body to decide to change their electors if they want it to, to have a different outcome of what it actually is. And so your individual vote counts as far as who you elect for your local elections. Right. That is majority person with the, with the highest amount of votes wins your your senators, your representatives. Um, but it also helps determine who gets the electoral votes that are allocated per state based on their population for the choice of president. Right. You've got a number of electoral college votes that 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 are there and someone has to hit the magic number of 270 to become president. And so I want to reinforce what you're saying. Your individual vote counts for many things, for a lot of things. The most important ones, your local elections, the people that you have at the local level that are pushing the agenda um, to ensure your your rights (laughs) if things should go south at a national level, right? Yes. We are fortunate enough to live in the state of Connecticut that, you know, has codified a woman's right to choice in our state constitution, right? But that's not the case in a lot of different states. So if you, regardless of where you live, know who is running, do your research, understand what they stand for, understand what's at risk for you, your family, and the people that you love, and get out there and vote, don't think that, you know, this doesn't affect me because it will. It will. And we need to. We need to snap out of that. You know, that this doesn't yeah, affect st- me. Stop being complacent. Right. Yeah, but if you truly want to be an ally, <laughs> go out there and help your individual peoples that you love or that you say you love, that you support, that you go and, and show up for. Show up for them on the ballot box because that's important as well. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Exactly. You know, be the change that you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. That being said, I just want <laughs> Pete Buttigieg to run again. Yeah. I mean, he's great. I know. I feel like if that were to happen, can you imagine if he were elected president and no. you see Chastin as the, 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 the first man? I mean, is it the first man? Is that what he would be called? The first gentleman. First gentleman of the White House. Because um, I'd be like, you can call me the first lady. It's fine. What is Kamala's yeah. husband's name? His name is Imhoff. Uh, I forgot his first name, but he's considered the second gentleman. Okay. Because you know she's the vice president. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. But anyway. Well, anyway, I was trying to find a clip of Pete on Fox News. I know you've seen it. Oh, the one that he just like tore down and just you know. And then he got a standing ovation, but he talked about the electoral college. Yes. Right. And he talked about, you know, I don't know if I'm for or against demolishing the Electoral College, but I do think that there's something to be said about 
making votes count more. I mean, if you look, if you look at the maps of the vote of voting and you look at right. Democrats versus Republicans, you see a lot of red on that map. But you also see a lot of blue on the map. Right. And and but the thing is that the blue is in states obviously around the coast and very and large then in states. cities in red states. Right. Um but the problem is that there's more demographically here's the thing. There is more demographically blue than there is red, but the problem is we can't get everybody to vote. Right. right. But the I the amount th- of people that we need to th- vote. But do you think if it came down to it where it was a popular vote, like Hillary won the popular vote, right? She did, and so did Biden. Right. So if it came down to a popular vote, do right. you think you would see more people come out to vote? Because that one doesn't matter because it's not coming from your state. It's your vote. In a, in a sense, yes and no, but be careful what you ask for, right? The, no, the I know. Whole, and the, it's, the, it's whole, like, the whole we premise, always wait for California. Right. I, like, With I their know. 55 freaking electoral votes. I mean, because they're just that populated. No, but you got to understand that, you know, we got to be careful what we wish for. If we, Let's say we got rid of the electoral college, right? And we're trying to rely on cities on major urban areas to carry us through to a victory and people decide, ah, we're, we're blue. I'm not going to vote. Well, that's what I was saying earlier. Right. And, and now for example, you have a situation in where the Republicans reached that magic 270 number. That's how the, the, the T person got elected in the first place. You know, what was really surprising to me. Yeah. And I think part of that has to do with this show for me right. is I never really thought about the primaries or voting in the primaries. Right. And so I have been um, kind of since the show. Right. And the numbers for the primaries are, are so abysmal. Right. I mean, if I, and you know what when I go on November 8th, right. I'm going to have to wait online for like 45 minutes to an hour. I showed up to vote for the primaries. Right. Two minutes. Right. And you know what pisses me off the most? And I didn't get a fucking sticker. Right. Oh, (laughs) that's the worst. So you know what pisses me off about the primaries the most is the fact that, you know, the purpose of the primaries is to elect your perfect candidate. Not necessarily the perfect candidate, but the best candidate to put forth on your ticket. Well, it's also about like, so, you know, the, you know, Democratic caucus is going to put a, a a nominee forward. Right. This is your moment. This is your opportunity to say, I don't want that nominee. Right. I, I want, want that one. Else. Right. But so, once you have that, no- like, even if it's two Democrats or two Republicans, like, right. that doesn't matter because primaries, you have to vote one way or the other. Right. Because you're choosing the person who's going to represent you in the general election. Right. So that's the whole purpose of a primary. For example, Eric Russell. Like, if right. there was somebody running against him, which there wasn't, but right. if there was somebody running against him, it's like, I'm there so that I make sure that I know Eric is going to be the person they pick for the nominee. Right, because that's that's who we feel is the best person for the, for the job. But what really pisses me off is that you have a very large portion of the population who sit there and bitch and moan um, about the person chosen as our nominee to represent us in a general election and waste no energy whatsoever in participating in primaries. 
you know, case in point, Bernie Sanders, right? Amazing man has great ideas. You know, he can really turn up the the, the volume on um, getting the electorate all worked up. And you've got a lot of, you know, Bernie bots who will ride and die for him, but won't fucking show up for him in a fucking primary, Mm -hmm. which is why he has now run for president three times. And three times he's failed to gain the nomination because his people don't show up during primaries. If you feel that if you feel that important about a candidate, you have to participate in primaries. They're important because it ensures that we know that we're putting the best person forward. Mm-hmm. Right. And unfortunately, that's not what we do. The turnout in the primaries is just abysmal, like you said. And then, you know, then we sit there and you have half of the population bitching about who we have as a nominee when you didn't do anything to change that no then you have your boyfriend's boyfriend as the you know right you know <laughs> that's how it works anyway <laughs> um sorry to bore you about politics so it's coming um, up on november just it's yeah. gonna be like this no, for a bit right november 8th just make sure that you go out and do do your duty you know primaries are over general elections coming there's a lot at stake do your civic duty anyway last story boys yeah, this one's a fun this one. This one's a fun one, which is why I left it for the end. Um, so uh, do you ever like have like friends that you you have and that you know get you? Yeah. Who like totally get you and like do things. And then when they do them, you totally like laugh and say like, this makes sense. Like he understands who I am. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to talk no about. No one around uh, this table, but yeah. Oh, bitch, I know. (laughs) He's about to get cut. Oh, she is. So I want to talk about Sam Smith. So Sam Smith um, had an interview um, with um, Kelly Clarkson, nonetheless. Uh, He was on the Kelly Clarkson show, and he was talking to Kelly, and Kelly brought up an interesting fact about a gift that he received from a fellow musician. And um, basically what ended up happening was he ended up admitting to Kelly that he received a two like a huge enormous two-ton penis from his fellow musician Ed Sheeran and I was like okay a two-ton penis what does that look like right and so he went on to say um, that it was a six foot long two-ton penis that no joke Wait, I mean six it was a six foot long, so six feet long. Okay. It weighs two tons. It's made of marble, which is why it weighs so much. Uh, and it was a gift. So um, he basically opened up about uh, the very special gift he received from musician Ed Sheeran um, and basically said it was a trophy that he received. Uh, and what? And and Smith started laughing when she mentioned it. And he's like, oh, my God, you know, it, it, it it's actually wild. I thought it was a joke, but it indeed was a six foot two marble penis. Um, it's two tons and I'm going to have to get it craned into my house. Can you imagine living in the same neighborhood that Sam Smith lives in, which it's unlikely because, you know, the man a lot of money as an amazing singer, but can you imagine watching a two ton penis being craned into someone's house? Funny mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Yes. I, I yes. can. Oh. Don't you have a three ton <laughs> penis in the backyard? No. Uh, so, so he goes like, as for what he's actually going to do with it, Smith said that he, well, he plans to turn it into a fountain. 
um, which he then adds will be hard to do. <laughs> <Pun intended. laughs> um, so it turns out that it isn't the first time that uh, someone has um, actually received such an honor. So this is apparently the second time that Ed Sheeran has gifted someone with a concrete penis. So Elton John actually received one as well. So my question to Ed Sheeran is, dude, where do you get your sense of humor? Like, what's going on here? I mean, he's a ginger, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your so faves. Like, are you are you are you looking for a husband? Spicy I, spicy Dorito. Yeah, I can use a penis. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine just like you go to your front door, there's UPS or you know It was definitely not UPS. Or, or <laughs> what do you what's a DH DHL? It was definitely like a a freight a, company. A, a flatbed truck yeah. right and can you imagine and then you open your door and there's a two-ton penis right in front of you made out of marble well i would laugh hysterically but then uh-huh. i'd be like that makes sense right because <laughs> they get you so it's interesting you know um i know that ed sheeran well I know that Ed Sheeran writes a lot of music about, you know, love for, you know, his music, basically the way it's written talks about women a lot. Right. So I don't know whether he's a member of our community. It's none of my business. I don't know Ed Sheeran. I don't think I'll I'll ever meet the guy, but it's interesting to see that he is, he has a very great sense of humor and that he is supportive of his fellow artists. Right, in a sense, like, yeah, I, I know you like penis. Let me send you a big two-ton penis. Yeah, I'd be like, is this like a engagement? Right. Person? Like, are you inviting <laughs> me? Like, is this a, like a replica of your own penis? Should I be worried? Should I like... Well, if know, it is, it should I go has prepare? been said that the penis is beautifully made. Right. Should I should I call Dr. G and, and start getting, you know, dilators and get ready? And what you, what do I need to do? If you sit on that, you're not coming back. I know. You're, it's it. It's done. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's gone. It's more of a sacrificial thing at that point. Right. Well, Elton John responded and he said, you know, what can I tell you? What do you buy? What do you buy the man who has everything? A huge marble penis. <laughs> huge marble penis. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. You know, though, like if anyone were to ever do that for me, there better be a diamond on top. Cause I'd say yes. Hmm. Of course you would. Mm-hmm. Leave my ginger alone. He's mine. Oh, you can have him. That's fine. <laughs> I got a penis for you. Darling, just dive right in. Follow my lead. As he leads in. No, It's fucking hysterical. Like, how awkward would it be? Like, if, for example... Like, I would never be able to look at that man the same way. Like, I'd be in an award show and I see Ed Sheeran presenting me with an award and I'd just crack up. I'd just burst into laughter. Well, that's like something. It's like, okay, what do I do now? Like, I've got, right. how do I respond to this? Like, do they make a two ton vagina that you can send him? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not behind that. That, no, no but yeah. something like, I sent two pound, like two ton balls. So you sent me the penis, let me send you the balls. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, juggle this motherfucker. A sack. A sack, <laughs> a sack. right? <laughs> Hang these behind your truck. Mm. I don't know. It reminds me of this. So 
when uh, I was when I was working at this place in Massachusetts. She was a young girl. Uh huh. I was very young. I was Twinkie. Uh huh. Ate kale every day. Um, <laughs> but we. I think I've ta- told the story. We had a can of cannellini beans. Cannellini beans. Yeah. And, Say that three times fast. And it was like this thing where. If you had it, it was stuck in your office. Like, you just couldn't get rid of it. Okay. And so you would re-gift it. And so I re-gifted it during, a, a, like, a, a Christmas swap. I wrapped it really nice. You know, you're supposed to buy everybody gifts, and then the people pick which one they want. And so I re-gifted the cannellini beans, and it's like, holy fuck! How do you re-gift something like that? Like, if it were me, I'd be like, okay, now i got to figure out how I'm getting this back into Ed Sheeran's house. Right. Without him knowing. <laughs> how would you do it, Jay? Like, how would you take a two-ton penis and sneak it into somebody's house who gifted it to you? Well, remember, being that Ed Sheeran is an artist, he definitely has to travel. Right? Uh-huh. Getting oh, into the house. Is, this yeah. bitch. Getting into the house is the easy part. There's always maids. There's always, you know, someone working at the house. There's uh-huh. always family. Well, what I think you I know would what I mean? do is so show up. He's going to reach like, I'm out. The yeah. Just would, show up. I mean, you show up. I would up, study the tour. I would hire a crew and I'd be like, yes. Fountain in the middle of the driveway. Go. Yes. Right. You've got three days. <laughs> you show up at the house and be like, I'm the plumber. I'm here yeah. to, like, you know. Flush him out yeah. and literally just leave a note on the front door for Ed Sheeran. You got me excited, and it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> with some LED lights <laughs> changing colors. Anyway, that's amazing. That's good. That's good. Well, anyway, cheers to you, um, uh, Sam Smith, uh, and your two-ton penis. I hope you enjoy it. I hope the fountain brings you many, 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 many years of of juicy, you know, enjoyment and um, fun conversations for sure. Well, I'm telling you, that's going to be a fucking conversation starter, yeah, to say the least. <laughs> and, and while we're on the subject, and while we're uh-huh. on the subject of penises, no, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and the LGBT. Uh, Has yours fallen off? Conversation? Yet? No, not at all. Okay. Still works. Little ripe. Little ripe. <laughs> little ripe. That's important. But no. Um, little tidbit. Of course, you know, I always like to add something in here and there. That's uh, important. You should. Velma. Oh, yeah. I heard oh, yeah. About that. Which has been a hot topic recently. Uh-huh. Is officially a lesbian right. in the new Scooby Doo film, uh, which is years after James Gunn and more tried to make her explicitly gay. So when they first aired the live action movies, right. That's her the characters, one with Freddie Prince Jr. Right. Yeah. All of them, basically right. all of them that they've written out, they have made her character, you know, specifically gay or right. lesbian, I should say. Um, but you know, producers and creators have always kind of shied away from it. Right. Um, because it wasn't fashionable to do. It wasn't it fashionable. Then. Yeah. So it certainly is now. Yep. So, Clips from the new movie, Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo, which is uh, uh, show the Mystery Inc. members googly-eyed and speechless when encountering a custom designer named Coco Diablo. Coco Diablo. Yeah, and and of course, she's a gay woman of color, Coco. Yeah, she better work. Yeah, Velma getting her her freak on. So it's awesome. I'm kind of cool, you know, like the Scooby-Doo has been one of my 
uh, favorite cartoons as a child. Mine well, you're kind of a Scooby so, snack. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can be. That's a Scooby <laughs> snack box. <laughs> Scooby so, snack. It's a whole box. It's funny that you mentioned that because the other day I was um, I was at work and two of my coworkers um, were standing right next to me and we were talking about something else and then one of them picks up the phone and was like, I knew they were going to fucking do that. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, what are you talking what about? What was she talking about? <laughs> she was like, I knew it. And I was like, what? And she was like, they did it. They made Velma the gay one. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And Velma's then my always been the gay one. My coworker was like, who's bi? She was like, no, that's biracial. <laughs> I can't. I need bi representation. Mm. Velma's always been bi. <laughs> So yeah, that, and that's been a big conversation. That's been part of the conversation right. amongst a lot of the people in in the interwebs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, no, the producers do do state that no, she is not actually bi. She is full on lesbian. Right. So uh, kudos, kudos to them for finally uh, you know saying it and doing it. <laughs> right. Basically, I th- I um, think that you know from a cinematic perspective and from a TV perspective, we're in a whole different ball game now yeah. when it comes to uh making characters gay, you know, we're not seeing your your atypical uh represented gay character, right? Yeah. Super queeny or or um you know, super gay or that they have to be one way. Uh, we're really seeing directors we're seeing actors play very very in-depth um you know caring characters um that portray us in in reality exactly in a sense yeah uh rather than what they you know always assumed that we were we're not always a party god knows one one of the tweets read omg lesbian velma finally that specific tweet has over a hundred thousand likes Queen. Um, so you know um you know good 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 for them and I'm, I'm glad they finally did i mean cartoon you follow as a child uh so much so that i even had two great danes <laughs> because of it so, were they called velma no <laughs> they were called well, scooby and snack no they were not unfortunately they were uh xena and zeus uh, okay. I can get behind that. Two Harlequin Great Danes. Yeah. Zena Warrior Princess. Yes. That was another character yeah. that made um you know had an affair with, with her with her counterpart. What was her name? Gabrielle. Gabrielle. Gabrielle yeah. yeah. I don't know how I remembered that. All right, well listen. So great stories, great, great, great um, you know, uh dish. But we we have to wrap this up. We have to go home. I'm already home. They have to go home. Um they need to leave my house. Right now, you bitches uh, gotta anyway, go. Oh, toss it over to she my. She must girl have trash. a window appointment. No. I do. Lower the windows. <laughs> lower, the, lower the windows. Nasty. COVID safe. All right, everybody. Thank you. Here's Mama Kim's minute. Number one, Slovenia has legalized LGBTQ marriage and adoptions. Toss queen. Number two, yes. news channel celebrates reporter who came out as trans in a heartwarming segment. I love it. Number three, Christian woman sobs as she warns that Hocus Pocus 2 will unleash hell. Like I said before, watch it. Did you enjoy it? Have you seen it? Yeah, I loved it. I fucking loved it. It's amazing. They've watched it at home quite a few times. Yeah. So I love it. Like I said before, I'm not really a big fan of it, so I don't. They love it at home. All I have to say is those girls that played, you know, the Sanderson sisters at the beginning of the movie, the child actors. 
fucking amazing. Yeah, they, the they one that played it. Winifred just fucking killed it. But nice. anyway, Mr. J Bear. And on this day in gay history, brought to you by Gay Tuck 2.0. Really? Sure. We are talking about October 12th today, the year 2008. Mm-hmm. And of course, our great old state of CT, the Nutmeg State, Connecticut. The Supreme Court of Connecticut legalized same sex marriage. That's right. On October 10th, 2008, Connecticut Supreme Court, in a four to three decision, rules that same sex couples cannot be prevented from marrying and that civil unions are not an acceptable substitute. Connecticut becomes the third state to legalize same-sex marriage following Massachusetts and California. Right. And it's worth mentioning that eventually California uh, passed Prop 8, which reversed marriage equality in the state, and that turned into this huge fight. And then, um, you know, little by little, each state started coming in, and by 2015, just, you know, eight years later, we had marriage equality. Mm -hmm. So... Which, by the way, it's on the chopping block. Just letting you know. All right, mm-hmm. ladies and gents, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. If you love the show, make sure that you go rate and review on your favorite podcasting service. By doing so, you get the latest and greatest of our show delivered right to your favorite device or web browser as soon as our episodes are published. And you can also support us on Patreon, which allows you, our listeners, to support the show with a monetary donation, which we collect monthly and can be in any denomination of a dollar or more. I feel like my mouth is juicy. <laughs> okay. Like I got extra it saliva happens, in there. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, anyway, uh, Jay? Next week, we welcome our favorite G-Spot. No, we don't. No. What? So what? Reread. Next week, we welcome... It's the dish, the dish, the dish. That's right. More because dick. we won't get the, we won't see our G spot until the twenty sixth. But right. she gonna come back. But she, she will be back, and right. I believe she will be in the. Well, Doctor G will be the first part of our segment. Correct. That yeah. is correct. That's still That's what's right. happening. Okay. Yes. Oh, I'm still in the know. Thank so you, girls. Because, <laughs> of course you are, bitch. So because of our, our change of of date. You know, we have to shift things around. So when Dr. G joins us on the show, he will be coming in way at the beginning of the show. We're going to jump right into the G spot, talk about, you know, our favorite butt whisperer uh, and all of the things, the amazing things that he's doing for our community. And then we'll move into, obviously, the uh, dish on the second half. But that happens basically, um, you know, on the third, third, um, on the second segment. On the of third the, Wednesday on the of third the month? Wednesday of every month now, right? Right. Or the no, fourth. It's the fourth. I think, fourth. We're, I think we're going bi monthly. Bi monthly could be I, quarterly. Anyway. You take it when you get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're gonna take Dr. G when we give him to you. Um So anyway. please enjoy your G spot. That's right. On the twenty sixth, not next week, sorry. All right. Well, we're almost there. Tom, now, take it away. Right. Here's Nick. To, uh, you know, to remind all of you <laughs> bottoms out there who want to keep your buttholes on point about all the amazing things that are um, available from future methods. So, Trish. All right, everybody. Don't forget to get the future method today. Each time you clean out with water or enemas, delicate tissues are harmed and cells are damaged, increasing chances of injury and or STDs. This first-of-its-kind doctor-developed formula gently cleanses before you play without hurting your bum. Visit futuremethod.com today to purchase your life-changing bum cleanser. 
Proud of you, girl. Yes. All righty. And I guess it comes down to time to put a rubber on it. All the single ladies. All the single ladies. All the single buddies. Uh-huh. Our show is available on our website, gaytalk20.com, under the uh, under audio podcast. Sorry. It is also available as a free download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Gay Talk 2.0, Instagram, Gay Talk 2.0, Twitter at Gay Talk 20. You can email us at gaytalk2.0 at gaytalk20.com. Tom? Tom. All right, I'm going to try not to with my juicy mouth. All right, if you need to reach out to us, just head on over to our website. Click on the Contact Us tab located at the top of your web browser there. You can leave comments. Uh, you can suggest topics, submit a question for the cast or an individual host. Or you can also call us and leave us a voice message on the phone. We'll answer those for you on air. Our phone number is 334 334- Gay talk, and if you need all those digits, it is uh, 334-429-8255. Don't forget that we do stream live every Monday, oh God, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can access our live stream when I have it on by visiting digitalstreamradio.com. <laughs> I want to thank you all for joining us tonight, and uh, y'all have a good night. Bye! Bye! Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gay Talk 2.0. Tune in next time for more dish.